Here's what's coming up on today's show. You can pretty much live the same lifestyle you are right now, even without a job. So that's what we call kind of a top-down analysis is, what are you living on now and can we recreate that same level of income? There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart and myself here to talk investing, finance, and retirement. And what is your biggest fear, a financial fear, I should say. Uh, that's going to be the topic this week here on the program. So as always, don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever podcasting platform app you like to use. Find all the information you need to talk with Michael or the podcast or whatever you might uh, you need to discuss at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Com. Mike, my friend, what's going on this week, buddy? How are you? Well, I'm doing great. It's February. It's uh, you know Valentine's Day around the corner, so just you know hoping for a little something nice. There you go. Yeah. Uh, each day, I see a little bit. You know, the sun's out a little longer. Might not be much, but it's out a little <laughs> longer each day. So that's good. Uh, getting uh, well, we're about a month away or so from from daylight savings time or whatever the switch back over is. So we're getting getting there, a little bit at a time, right? Yep, day by day, right? That's right. That's right. Hey, listen, we took a poll, an informal poll of listeners to find out what their biggest financial fears are. Uh, um, on this episode, let's explore some of the most common ones, ones that you see, uh, you know, in um, you know your practices and, and so on and so forth, and, and maybe how to address some of those, some different ways for folks to think about. It's no surprise, Mike, you've been doing this a long time, uh, t- you know, two plus decades. The number one fear is, never really changes, right? It's running out of money. Before you run out of life, it's always the, kind of the top tier. They might it might ebb and flow a little bit one through three, but I think this one usually edges out and pretty much stays at number one. Well, uh, yeah, more recently, I'd say especially the past decade. Uh, you know, if you go back, I've been doing this for over twenty two years. So if you go say maybe the first ten years of my career, a lot of it was you know oh I'm, you know afraid of death you know and and sure why yeah. wouldn't you why wouldn't you be right? Uh, but the but what you've really seen, and I think it's because you've seen you know multiple bear markets in the last twenty years. You more people are relying on their own personal savings, not pensions and things anymore. So it's that running out of money before we die. You know, so just making good smart choices, but still being able to live the lifestyle that they want but being able to get income from you know what they have saved over the last 30 40 years of working. Yeah, and I think for these that we've got here, it's usually the the top, you know, what's the top thing? Death and taxes, right? They're pretty much always on there. Uh two kind of slid in there, but it's pretty close into that same conversation and that's ending up in some sort of long-term care situation in which case you're depleting. It's kind of tied to the first one, right? You're kind of running out of money or blowing through the nest egg if you will because of some long-term care event. Yeah, and that's that's always a consideration. And you know, I'll give you an example. Let's say a, a couple's done a really good job savings. It's husband and wife. They saved about a million bucks. Let's say between the two of them, they're going to get around fifty thousand dollars a year from Social Security. They can also take another forty, fifty thousand just off the million dollar portfolio. So here they are. You could live on eighty, a hundred thousand dollars. Not even touch the principal. Just live off of interest and dividends. You know, cash flow off their investments and Social Security. So they are. You know, Plan A works great. You know, and if one of them passes, they're still going to have pretty substantial seventy, eighty thousand dollar retirement income. So it still works. But the problem is Plan C. Plan C is what happens if one of you need home based health care. That in Illinois that costs about fifty grand a year. You know, to have a nurse come by the house, kind of somebody to help out. Or what if one of you actually needs to go into assisted living facility, and that could be anywhere between ninety and one hundred ten thousand dollars a year. 
now that $100,000 income doesn't really accomplish what you need it to. And that's why, you know, when we're putting our retirement success blueprint, our financial plan together for clients, there's five different categories in there, but one of them is healthcare. So we say, hey, look, you know, we're not taking too much risk. We're being tax efficient. We got our estate plan. We know where income's coming from. But then that other component is what happens if one of you needs care later? How are we going to mitigate the financial impact of that? You know, not even for legacy, but just for the surviving spouse. Right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So it's, it's a conversation that needs to be had. There's all different ways to solve it. You know, and some of those are, you know, just crossing your fingers and toes, hoping it doesn't happen to you, you know, if you don't have the resources. But at the same time, it's definitely something you got to address. Yeah. And it, I mean, and it's expensive. I know it. And it makes it even easier to put it, you know, it stays up there as a fear, but then you don't do anything about it or can't or don't think you can anyway, because it is so costly. But uh, there are definitely conversations worth having. So definitely, you know, put that on your list and address it. It'll help with some of those fears as well, other than just avoiding it and letting it kind of hide over there in the corner. And of course, the third one, since I mentioned death and taxes, it's taxes, right? So uh, paying more, dealing with more. At the time we're taping this podcast, Michael, um, debt ceiling conversation is going on yet again. You know, there's still some recession conversation. So taxes, you know, concern people because we got a lot of, uh, got a lot of debt. Yeah, a lot of our clients, very patriotic, you know, capitalist Americans and that, but they feel they could be just as patriotic and pay less in taxes. Right. right? So, you know, their fair share is fine. You know, That's nobody right. has an issue with that for infrastructure and schools and those things. They just don't want to tip the IRS in the process. So, you know, part of that is also being proactive. It's about understanding the tax code. That's why in our practice, we got a CBN staff, we got a full tax team, you know, so we do tax preparation and proactive tax planning. So that, but you don't wait until you have a tax problem. What happens is, you know, three, five, 10 years prior, that's when you want to have the conversation of, hey, should we be doing Roth conversions right now? Are there any other tax strategies we could be implementing now so that in three, five, 10 years, there isn't this tax time bomb out there later? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's probably coming regardless, right? We've talked about numerous times that even if they do nothing, you know, the, the tax codes are going to change in a couple of years here. So you want to make sure that you're doing, you know, being as efficient as possible. Those are typically the top three. Now let's move on to some of the other ones. So maybe you've addressed some of these, the first three. Well, now maybe the next fear becomes, well, I want to leave something behind. You mentioned earlier legacy. Maybe it's the kids, maybe it's the grandkids, but for some people that's a high fear. No, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things when we're doing that planning, I mentioned estate is one of those five pieces. And, you know, I'll start out as how how important is leaving a legacy to you? You know, kids, grandkids, churches, whatever it happens to be. And the reason for that is if leaving a legacy is not that important to you, great. It just gives us different options as far as what you can access, what you shouldn't, what you could be doing over time. If leaving a legacy is important to you, typically we have kind of three different conversations that come with that. One, if we build a portfolio where we're just taking income from the gains, like off of interest and dividends, we call it eat the eggs, not the chickens. So if we just take a portfolio that's generating the income we need to supplement our social security and pensions, then there will be a legacy left because we're not touching the principal. Secondarily, if we're concerned that maybe the nursing home is going to make us spend it down, well, great. Then maybe we need to have a long-term care conversation. And then the third thing is maybe you want to just know, you know, rain, shine, healthcare event, not healthcare event, that there's a certain dollar amount that's going to be left to somebody. Well, then we can have a life insurance conversation. You know, just go ahead and pay for it up front. And then whether you pass in 10 years or 30 years, at least there's a tax-free death benefit on the end. So it's really just about having that conversation. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, so those things are going to happen. Life's going to happen. So if that's on your, you know, financial fear radar, uh, it's something you can, you know, easily address. So, But you got to have those chats. Um, this kind of ties into the, you know, just the running out of money, but maybe it's not necessarily running out. Okay, great. We've got enough to potentially last until we're a hundred or whatever we run it out to, 
but we may have to take a dip in the lifestyle in order to get to that, you know, longer longevity issue. So that becomes a financial fear for folks. It is, and primarily that's why we always talk with you know, whether it's on the podcast, the radio show, or even just in one-on-one in office appointments with prospective clients. We we talk about you know without income there is no retirement, right? So we're in in retirement income is the outcome. So because that's what pays our lifestyle. You know our stock certificate doesn't pay lifestyle. Our stock certificate doesn't buy you know ice cream for the grandkids or so. So what we want to focus on is how much income can we get from our portfolio without spending through our principal. Because that's what is going to support your lifestyle. And typically how we'll start with clients, it's not, you know, some, some advisors go out there and it's like, okay, hey, here's a 14-page budget with every category. Go through your last six months checking accounts, you know, and it's just as painful as it sounds. We typically will start with, if somebody's still working, we'll typically start with, okay, so what are you taking home? You know, so after taxes, after 401k contributions, after all the deductions, what are you taking home? So let's say every two weeks they're bringing home $3,000, so that's $6,000 a month net. Great. So you're already living on $72,000 a year. That's $6,000 times 12 months. Right. So if you're already living on $72,000, if we just basically recreate that same income and potentially have a little bit of a rising income to keep up with the inflation over time, you can pretty much live the same lifestyle you are right now, even without a job. So that's what we call kind of a top-down analysis is what are you living on now and can we recreate that same level of income? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got to have that income in retirement. We've got to, and nobody wants to go backwards. So, I mean, I get it. So that's why it's up there on that list of financial fears. Again, as we were talking with people, getting their kind of uh, ranking on this. And then the final one, Mike, is typically this, and it's probably many ways that people view this, but it's it's finally working with an advisor and, and something not going right, right? So they feel like they were taken advantage of or it didn't turn out the way they want or they didn't have their best interest and in, whatever it is, but that winds up being number six on there is some sort of an issue with a financial professional. Yeah. And this is really where I, th- I think our business model really differentiates us from, you know, the the big brokerage firms, the big Wall Street firms out there, the Fidelities, the Vanguards for the do-it-yourselfers and all that is, you know, it's less common nowadays compared to 10, 20, 30 years ago that you're really getting take advantage of that, you know, somebody is really kind of raking you over the coals for their own benefit, you know, meaning that just selling you some high commission product because they wanted to get paid. The, the What we usually see, though, is that a lot of people come in and whether they're do-it-yourself or so they've been working with an advisor, they have an investment plan. An investment plan was they sat down with a broker at the bank and he's like, hey, you should buy this variable annuity because of A, B, and C. Okay, great. I'll buy it. And then they're like, oh, I got this 401k at work. Okay, I guess these are the funds that I have. Oh, and I got this extra old 401k from a previous position. So I guess I'll roll that over into an IRA. How should I invest this? The guy or gal will tell you and you say, okay, great. But then by the time you come and see us, you're knocking on the door of retirement, five, 10 years of retirement, maybe just got in retirement. And then all of a sudden you start to be like, I got this junk drawer of stuff. I've just been sold stuff for the last 30, 40 years. But now that I need income off my investments, now that I need to know how much risk I can and can't take, now that I want to be more tax efficient, I want to leave a legacy, I need to make sure I can cover a healthcare event. How do I do that with all this stuff? And really, that's where our retirement success blueprint process comes in is where's your income coming from in retirement? How much risk should you take? How do you legally pay the least amount of taxes over your lifetime? If you had a health care event, how would you pay for it? And estate planning. Do you have a, you know, do you have all your affairs in order? Not only if something happened while you're with us, but when you pass. I think that's the new definition of do they have what's in your best interest in mind? Because what happens is a lot of people just keep getting sold stuff, and that's the investment relationship they have. 
But that's not an advisory relationship. That's not a financial planning relationship. But that's what more people need as they're going into retirement. They need to get their arms around all this kind of stuff, not just the investment piece. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because that's how the world, you know, feels a lot to, to us most of the time is everything is just buying one more thing or sold one more item or whatever that might be in all aspects of life. So definitely having that relationship standpoint is important for many folks. So, and that's what the retirement success blueprint's about, as Michael just said. So get yourself onto the counter if you got some questions, need some help, stop by the website, whatever you need to do, find all that information at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com where they are that one-stop shop for you. Uh, And don't forget, you can drop a line to the podcast if you'd like as well. And that's how we're going to wrap things up with Emily from the Barrington area. And she says, I'm 60 and probably retiring in five to six years. A lot of conversation out there about Roth conversions. Is that something that I should be thinking about converting as much as I can from an IRA, my IRA to a Roth? Yeah, Emily, that's a great question. And probably more important than just the question itself is the time in which you're actually considering it. So you're five, six years away from retirement, right? So you're probably earning more than you have, you know, in your entire life. So now it really becomes not an investment conversation about, hey, how should I be allocated as much as it is? Are there any tax things I can do now before I get to retirement that's going to impact me? And that's where that whole concept of a Roth conversion comes in. What a Roth conversion is, is, you know, you've got this pre-tax 401k, these pre-tax IRAs. And at some point in the future, either by choice, by government's choice, you're going to be forced to take some income out of these things. You're going to be forced to take money out. So you've got a million dollars in these accounts at retirement. Now you need your required minimum distribution. You're going to have to take out almost $40,000 a year that's going to hit your tax return, whether you need it or not. So the benefit of doing a Roth conversion early, Emily, like at 60, now we want to know what your income is, what tax bracket you're in, are you going to be in a lower tax bracket in the future? So there, there are all these moving parts, but let's assume that it does make sense for you. What happens is we say, okay, how much can we convert from the pre-tax to the tax-free, pay a little taxes kind of as we go, you know, cross the IRS toll bridge there, and then now that money is going to grow tax-free. When you take it out in the future, it's going to come out tax-free, so it's really not going to mess with your retirement tax return. So, you know, whether it makes sense to or not, we'd really have to kind of roll up our sleeves and say, okay, what tax bracket do we anticipate you to be in in retirement? How much of a Roth conversion makes sense for you? So it's really more of a tax planning conversation. But the beautiful thing, Emily, is because you're thinking about that five, six years ahead of time, you don't have to rip the Band-Aid off and do these huge conversions, you know, trying to get to some arbitrary number. You can actually do some smaller ones over the next five, six, seven, eight years and potentially have a tax-free retirement just by doing so. Well, great question. Thank you so much for listening. As a matter of fact, on our next podcast coming out in a couple of weeks, uh, just after Valentine's Day, we'll be doing a podcast about tax questions. So maybe worth it to check that out as well. So again, thanks for your time, Michael. As always, we appreciate it. Always good stuff here to chat, work our way through. This was the uh, top financial fears we got from folks on asking them how to rank those. And I always appreciate you. All right, take care. And we'll see you next time right here on the podcast. Again, don't forget, you can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good stuff under Retirement Success Blueprint, or just stop by the website, crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. We'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.